Hey, we're so excited that you joined us online at Galilee. We'd love to connect with you this week. If you would, fill out our online digital connect card. The link for that is in the description. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God has made a way for us to come to Him through Jesus. And that's good news. So join us as we worship our Heavenly Father.
about it this morning. What a great joy it is to sing, to gather, to praise the name of God. Thank you, team, for leading us there closer to the throne. We are glad that you are here this morning. Hey, listen, our middle school momentum group, you guys are about to head out now. So if you're in middle school, feel free to jump up. You don't need to feel awkward. There will be other people jumping up with you. Go right back there to Blake. He's going to take you where you need to go. If you're in middle school and you don't want to be bored by me, this is your one and only opportunity, okay? So get it out while the getting's good, and after that, I got you. Listen, we're glad that you all are here this morning. We are excited about what's going on at Galilee Church and the way that God is blessing us and just really pouring out a spirit on us and providing for us. As you know, we've been in a renovation of our worship center. We're really close, y'all, to being in that space. Uh, in a matter of weeks, you see how noncommittal that was? In a matter of weeks, we will be in that space uh, we're planning for our big homecoming gathering in the middle of October. There's a possibility we'll be in there before then, but no promises. But God has been so good to us in this space. We've had some amazing times of worship, and uh, we just know that God is going to keep blessing us as we keep pursuing him. And that's so much about what this morning's message is about. So, hey, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into the second part of this series in the, the letter to the Ephesians. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are so very good to us. I pray that you will bless us today. I pray that our hearts and our minds are ready to receive from you what you are going to lay before us. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Fill us, Lord Jesus, with your spirit. Help us be more like you. Help us live out our faith with authenticity. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So listen, I, a couple of weeks ago, our family was on our way back from uh, my, my mother-in-law's memorial service up in Vermont. We flew out of Connecticut because it was just super duper crazy, way cheaper, like not even close to, to it's just so much cheaper. So we flew out of Connecticut. So we had a couple hour drive down from Vermont to Connecticut, and then we're flying, flying from Connecticut straight to Atlanta. Now our flight left at 10 p.m., which is really light, really late. But when you're flying on the discount air carrier, it's like, you know, hey, bring your own peanuts and this flight might leave anytime, right? So we're taking this flight. And so we, we go, we're getting there, and there, then we get this word that our flight is delayed. And I'm watching it over a matter of hours as we're traveling down. And it's just getting a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse. Till the time we get down there, it is a four-hour delay on a flight that leaves at 10 p.m. So y'all all do the, the maths, right? 
That's really early in the morning that this flight is now leaving. So it's 2 or 2.30. But my only prayer at this point is that I'm just praying that the flight will leave and get us home. And thankfully it did, but I was already thinking in my mind about the craziness that was going to happen of having to get in the line and rebook the flight and, you know, you're battling with all these other people. And I was always preparing, I was already preparing my best stump speech to try to get us on the next flight, whatever it was going to take, right? This is where my mindset was. And I started thinking about this story that I'd heard years ago, true story about a guy that was flying United and it was a whole group of people that were flying United and their flight got canceled. And so just like I just described, everybody lined up, they queued up, long line, everybody's trying so hard to get on the next flight. Well, this guy who's back in the back part of the line goes around the line, which is like number one no-no, of course, goes around the line and says to the, to the person who's booking the stuff, ma'am, I'm gonna need to be on the very next flight and I am going to need to be in first class. I mean, he just laid it right there. I have to get on this next flight. Sir, I'd like to help you, she said, but I have all these other people in line and, and you're gonna have to wait your turn and then we'll do what we can to help you. Do you know who I am? He said to the, the lady who was booking the flights. So she just immediately had had enough. So she grabbed the little microphone thing and she got on the microphone and she said, attention, ladies and gentlemen in the concourse, we have a gentleman here who does not know who he is. If anybody can assist him with his identity, will you please come forward? And she just laid it right on him, which I think is hilarious, right? Hilarious. The dude was struggling with his identity. Look, we're talking this morning about identity. And the identity for you and I, for those of us that follow Jesus, our identity is supposed to be found not in ourselves, not in our own strength, but in Jesus. And this is much of what the message is as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, but I told you last week that this is also a circular letter. So it's not only right to the church at Ephesus, but Paul knew this letter was going to be circulated amongst the, amongst the early churches. And so he wants to convey this message of how critical it is that they stay and stand firm in the faith, firm in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is where they were gonna gain their strength and he really begins by giving thanks for them. This is the message for us today, that we keep our identity in Christ, that we are careful, like the church at Ephesus had to be careful because Ephesus was a very wealthy place. So that means subsequently the church, the surrounding area, they were a wealthy people. Paul knew that it was gonna be easy for them to lose sight of what really mattered and to persevere in Christ. Why? Because he knew that it would be easy for them to get fat and happy. And the truth of the matter is, if you look around the world at Christianity all around the world and compare it to what Christianity looks like here in America, sometimes our version of Christianity can look a little fat and happy compared to the way we see Christians living out their faith around the world hungry for Bibles, hungry for the Word of God, hungry for worship. And I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit this morning because you're here, so praise God for that. But I'm just speaking in, in a bit of generalities here. What Paul was warning against is that we get too comfortable, that we get too comfortable and just kind of go through the motions. He's challenging them. 
So you may feel a little challenged by what I just said. And that's okay. Sometimes we need to be challenged. And the truth is, and you know this about yourself, for the vast majority of you in this room, you're maybe at your best when you're being challenged. Because you step up. You think more sincerely. You push yourself. Some of the people that maybe drove you crazy as professors or teachers or parents, grandparents, friends, some of the people that have helped you grow the most are the people that have pushed you the hardest, yes? This is true for just about everybody. And so for us today, I'm going to just gently, gently, but nudge us a little, push us a little towards the call that Paul is putting on the early church that very much is for us because we can see this in our westernized Christianity that we've got to be strong. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be found faithful. So listen to this without further ado. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, thanking God for them and reminding them to keep the faith. And remember, Paul is writing this from prison. All right, Paul's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus from prison, but man, he begins by giving thanks. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, like I've been hearing about y'all's faith and I'm giving thanks for it is what he says. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. Now we're going to talk about all this in just a minute. Verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Who's the head of the church? Jesus, right? Ain't me, not any other human, Jesus. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So let's break all this down. How does Paul begin? Like I told you, he starts by saying, hey, I just wanna give thanks for your faithfulness, church. And this is easy for me to do as the pastor here at Galilee to just give thanks for this church because I get to see how this church serves. I get to see how this church steps up when there is need in our community or even around the world in world missions. I get to see how each of you step up in service. We recently did a series on service and I have been blown away about how many new people are stepping up. I talked to somebody at the door this morning that was serving, I think, for their first time. And that's awesome because people are stepping up and saying, hey, I want to do my part because I am a part of the body of Christ here at Galilee. And I know, I recognize that it takes all of us. The vast majority of y'all get that. And it's a beautiful thing. So I give thanks for you in this, whether you're serving on our, on our, on our uh, security team, whether you're serving in our nursery, whether you're making food for an event or you're preparing something for, uh, we have a team that puts together food for uh, uh, funerals and for the families. It's unbelievable the ways that people serve, greeting and teaching, right? Uh, you know, missions, all kinds of ways that people serve in our church. And so like Paul, it's easy for me to give thanks 
for your faithfulness. Like he was giving thanks for the faithfulness of the people there at Ephesus. Paul was thankful for a wonderful church, y'all, that was grounded in Christ. And I got to tell you, I mean it from my heart of hearts, y'all. I am too. And, and more than anything, I am so glad that I just get to serve alongside you. We ought to take a minute, all of us, to give some thanks to God for that. To say that we get to serve alongside Jesus together. That we're not, we're not on our own. We're not, we're not out on an island. We're doing this thing together for the cause of Christ. And this ought to be a reminder for each of us to love one another, support one another, pray for one another. That's what Paul says. He's like, hey, I've been giving thanks for you and I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. So when we pray for one another, you know, I know, we know there's power in that, right? Second thing he does here is he, he talks about these prayers for wisdom and growth that are so critical for them. And this is really, in many ways, the crux of this morning's message. Wisdom and growth. In an age where worldly values are ever encroaching, the church of Jesus is going to need to be even more wise. The church of Jesus is gonna need to be a little uncomfortable. I'd say we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's where again we're going to be pushed we're going to be stretched and as the world tries to push in which it's already doing I mean it has been for a very long time but as that worsens we're prepared we're standing firm we're walking with Jesus we're seeking to grow he says in verse 17 I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That word in the Greek is epinosis. And the idea is that when he says that you would epinosis him better, it is about really and truly knowing him in your deep down heart and soul. The, the easiest way to equate this is what we oftentimes refer to as our personal relationship with Jesus. What he's really emphasizing here is that their personal knowing of Jesus would increase. Because there was power in them knowing Jesus more personally, more deeply. Because this was going to create in them, produce in them, what they were ultimately going to need to persevere. They needed to recognize, like you and I have to recognize, we have never arrived as a Christian. You've heard me say this before. We've never arrived. Like God is always working on us. And we have to be open to that fact that God is always working on us. Paul praises them and then he prays for them and he's pushing them towards the wisdom that comes from strengthening the personal relationship and walk with Jesus and ultimately pointing them towards the growth that's going to come about when they actually live in that. They, they need that knowledge of the divine, yes, that comes from a deeper personal relationship with them. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's wisdom producing growth. Spiritual growth certainly happens when we pray, we study our Bible, we gather for worship, all of these things. But really, too, what he's talking about here 
is when you focus on your personal relationship with him. And when you get a whole group of Christians focusing on your personal relationship with him, beautiful things happen. Not just for you individually, but for all of us collectively. All right, moving on. Third thing. He prays that they would be enlightened. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Okay, listen, <laughs> you can't stop me. The, the, the heart of this is, if we are going to be praying for enlightenment, if we're going to be praying to be sharpened, if we're going to be letting the Lord work on us, then we have to be open to whatever happens in this world. Whatever is said to us, whatever discouragement that comes, whatever somebody does to challenge us. Remember I told you earlier, some of your best moments are with some, when somebody pushes you. Some of the times you've grown most in your spiritual life, if you're like me, is when somebody has asked you a difficult question and you didn't know how to answer it. When somebody challenged your faith, and you weren't exactly sure what to say. But you pushed yourself to find the answer. You grew from that moment. So you can let the world around you, you can let the challenges to your individual faith and the world pushing in and pushing back against Christianity, you can let those things make you bitter or you can let them make you better. And ultimately, how you respond to that is going to be up to you. How you respond to that, though, is going to be influenced by what we just laid bare before you. How deep your personal relationship is with Jesus is going to influence and inform, right, how your faith shows up in a day-in and day-out basis and how you persevere. But we got to always be growing, church. Never quit, never stop, never sit back in the easy chair and get too comfortable when it comes to how you're growing in your faith. And rather than letting the world make you just mad and bitter, let it force you to grow and make you better. Yes, sometimes it's other believers that are like loving you really well and a message really touches your heart and you're studying the word of God in your private quiet time and that grows you and that's awesome. Sometimes it's something negative. It's somebody challenging you. It's something you see out in the world, let's just be honest, that disgusts you. And those things, too, actually have power to make you better if you don't let them make you bitter. But you've got to be looking at them, and you've got to be prepared for them, and you've got to be in a growth mindset. This is a, I read a great story a couple of weeks ago about a team of surgeons. And there was one of these surgeons, he was doing one of these intricate surgeries and they finished and then he went home and watched an F1 race, like a car race. Now I know that the thing, what does that have to do with anything? Well, he immediately was watching the pit crew of this F1 team and they, they like changed the tires, they put gas in the car, you know, they, uh, they gave it a spit shine. I don't know, they were doing everything to the car and they did all of this in seven seconds. And he's blown away by it. And he started thinking, one of the things we're challenged with when we're doing these surgeries 
is that our turnover time, not only from the surgery, but from being able to hand this patient off to the next, their next kind of step in their recovery is taking way too long. All of the process is taking way too long. So true story, they actually brought in a pit crew to coach them, to watch them and help them understand some things they could be doing better to get quicker, to get more efficient and, and, and true. They cut their time in half of being able to turn the, the patient over to the next step in their recovery. Why? Well, because they were not afraid of looking even outside of themselves, outside of their own comfortable area for growth. Now, that's just maybe a little bit of a silly story, but it's a true story and it's a powerful story that should speak to us. Whatever it is out there that's pushing might just make me better if I don't just sit back and get bitter, all right? This is a, this is a growth opportunity for us all. Final thing that, that Paul talks about is power, the power that is in Christ. And ultimately, everything that we've talked about today, man, it, it sounds great, it is great, but all of it, as I, as I keep emphasizing the personal relationship with Christ, it all has to be grounded in the hope and the power of the resurrection. Now, I've told you this a million times, but when the Bible talks about hope, it's not talking about hope in the context of, well, you know, I hope we have something good for lunch today. Or, you know, I hope it, the weather stays really nice. When the Bible talks about hope, listen now, it means assurance. So when we hope in Christ, when we hope in the resurrection, it means we stand firm in the assurance that we have there. Look back at verse 19, the latter part of verse 19 through 23, real quick with me. Notice that he says the power, that power, talking about Jesus's power. He's talking about the resurrection. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Paul is using all the synonyms he can here to describe the power of Jesus. And in all these big biblical Greek words, he says his, his, uh, his power, which in the Greek is dunamis, his power, the power of God, and then he says working, another word for that is energy, and it's energeia in the Greek. It says that their energy, the, the power that is in Jesus, there is a beautiful working that Jesus has done in the resurrection. His strength with his kratos, the kratos of who Jesus is, his very endued strength in him, and that he is eshus, which is mighty, why do I tell you all these words? I'm, I'm laying them before you to get you to focus on them because Paul's original audience would have heard these words and they would have caught the emphasis of them and they would have been a wake-up call, a reminder to them in the midst of the things that were pressing in on them both in their lives individually and collectively. Stand firm. You have power, but it's not your own. It's in Jesus. Stand firm in it. Believe again. Be rock solid in the resurrection of Jesus because everything that you and I believe and follow is absolutely grounded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 20, 
Jesus exerted, it says it was exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. In other words, Jesus did what he said he was going to do, which was raise, rise from the dead. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given. And you might think people in this world are great. You might see earthly power and look in awe at it, but it is nothing compared to the resurrected power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. He says, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That's, that's us. We're living in the age to come, and there's a future age to come as well in heaven. It says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Look, he is describing the power of the resurrection so we might focus on it, so we might sit for just a moment in awe of it. In awe of the fact that Jesus did what he said he was going to do. That he defeated death. That he rose from the grave. And he did all of that because of you. I mean, is there any more powerful point? Is there any more powerful statement? Is there anything more motivating than to know that Jesus conquered the grave because of his love for me. I'm the one that pushed him to have to do it because he loved me enough to save me from my own sin. And so when I just sit still for a moment and when I reflect on the resurrection, it ought to leave me in awe like Paul was when he was trying to describe the power of Jesus. He's pulling out every word he could. He's saying, look at this. Holding it. Look at this. Look what Jesus has done. Look how he kept his promise to you. Look how much hope you have. Don't worry about what's going on around you. Don't let that stuff crush you. Focus on him. There's power in the resurrection. The author and pastor, Tim Keller, tells a great story, and I'll finish with this. He tells a great story years ago of, a, of another pastor that was in Italy. He's taking a tour, and he saw the grave of a man that had died centuries ago, like many, 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 many years ago, right? And this guy, the guy that had died, had been buried there. He was an unbeliever. He was not only just an unbeliever, but he was against, completely against Christianity itself. But at the same time, and especially in that time period where much of the world was dominated by Christianity, he was a little bit scared of it, too. Just a little bit afraid of the whole thing. That whole idea of resurrection really threw him off. So the man had this huge stone slab laid over the top of his grave. The big stone slab. And engraved on top of this big slab, over the top of his grave, were in multiple instances, not just engraved once, but multiple times as if he wanted to be sure that it was read by God. I don't know, I don't know, right? He wrote it down multiple times. I do not want to be raised from the dead. I don't believe in it. This is what he had engraved on this giant stone. It's crazy. But evidently, at some point when he was buried, there was an acorn that must have fallen into that dirt below the stone, whether there was 
Maybe there was some kind of distance in the time that was put. I, I don't know. So a hundred years later, that acorn had grown up through that grave, split that stone right down the middle, just about down the middle, and now pushing that stone aside, there was a towering tall oak tree right in the middle of it. And so the minister couldn't help but look at it and be awed and think, as you and I might think, if that little power of life in an acorn can split this grand stone, how much more can the power, the, the little grain of faith and hope that I bring as I look and focus upon the resurrection, how much more strength and hope and power are right there at my fingertips. Look, no, no matter what you are going through this morning, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter kind of what you feel is against you, whether it's the world in general or somebody in particular. No matter what you are facing, now listen to me, look right at me. If Jesus really rose from the dead, you're going to be okay. This is the hope and the power that is bound up in the seed of hope, remember, assurance, that is the very resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. My prayer is that you will stand firm in that truth this morning, that maybe this morning you were pushed to just a little bit of a wake-up call. When's the last time I thought about the resurrection? When's the last time I stood in awe of its power? When's the last time it moved my heart to give thanks to Jesus for going to that cross for me and being raised from the dead for me? so that I might be with him. My prayer for you is that if you've not yet accepted this truth, that today would be the day for you. The day for you to go all in with Jesus and say, I'm with you, Lord. I love you. I want to follow you. I want to give you my life. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he did what he said he was going to do, which is go to the cross for my sins, die, and be resurrected. And he did it to give me hope and life. If you believe that this morning, I would just genuinely and lovingly encourage you, don't wait another day to give your all to Christ and follow him for all you are worth. If you need to make that decision or any other, if you just need prayer, look, as always, at the end of these services, we are here and we're there to walk with you through whatever you're going through. Let's be standing in church and sing this final song. If we can help you, you can come on up.